This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Hello and welcome to Saver Production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about the Cuban sandwich. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> so excited. So hungry. Oh. Lots of things oh, yeah, happening yeah. right now. Yeah. I I did just eat lunch, so I'm managing to not be starving despite this was a very craving heavy research. Oh yeah. Section. Yeah. I yeah. Oh, it was bad. <laughs> One of the hazards of the job, Lauren. One of the hazards of the job. Oh, it is. And I, so, you know, I just want y'all to know that, like, we feel you when you write in. Oh, and yeah. you're like, you're like, I love your show, but stop making me hungry. I mm-hmm. can't stop, won't stop. That's just what it does. That's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, as I say, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you to your listener, Amanda, for the suggestion. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, this is one of my very favorite sandwiches. Although, mm-hmm. Lauren and I were discussing beforehand, small town, rural Georgia girl, uh, I have only had probably five in my lifetime. What? Yeah. <laughs> and so when uh, we were talking, we're going to talk about a very uh, infamous rivalry, city rivalry mm-hmm. here. And I can't tell you for sure which version I've had, if either of those. Who knows? Huh. I just know pickles and mustard were involved and a lot of salty meat and buttery bread. Yeah. Well, those are all things that should be on there. Yes. Um, (laughs) Yes. In either version uh, Mm -hmm. uh, or any version, I suppose. Um, 
uh, I grew up close enough to Miami that there were um, there there were a lot of Cuban immigrants in the area. Uh, I, I grew up in uh, Fort Lauderdale or a suburb of Fort Lauderdale called Coral Springs, and um, and so yeah, we were very lucky to have just amazing Cubano food everywhere. And so when you're like, I've had it like five times, I'm like five times a day, like what? <laughs> Like what? Like what are you talking about? Um, I've had countless um, Cuban sandwiches, and uh, yeah, one of my one of my favorites as well. And uh, gosh, yeah, like I, I think I remember the first time that I ever had one. It was um, I, I moved to Florida when I was in uh, maybe fourth grade, and uh, and yeah, like the first time that I went to someone's birthday party, there was a big platter of Cuban sandwiches, mm. and I was like, "What is this magic?" <laughs> see I remember the first time I had a Cuban sandwich I was we might not have even been in the Buckhead office in Atlanta we might have been at our current office (laughs) Uh uh-huh I it was sort of like you were saying when you went to is it H Mart the first time yeah I went to Atlanta from a small town I made this list of all these foods I want to try, and I still have it. And sometimes I look at it and I get nostalgic of like, oh, young Aww. Annie. Oh, uh, but it, it was on there, and I would just like work my way. But I didn't have a car, and Atlanta is not a good city if you don't have a car. Yeah. So certain things just took me like years to mark off that list. But um, <laughs> Cuban sandwich was one of them, and I do feel like, again, this could have just been me moving from somewhere small to a city. I do feel like they, there was a surge of popularity right around the time I moved in the Cuban sandwich. Or maybe I was just becoming aware of them for the first time. Hard to say. Hard to say. Yeah. Um, But I suppose this brings us to our question. Yes. The Cuban sandwich. What is it? Well, uh, the Cuban sandwich, sometimes called the Cubano, is a type of sandwich that um, it can be made in a number of ways. Um, But the perhaps traditional makeup is um, ham, roast pork, salami, Swiss cheese, sliced pickles, and yellow mustard, um, stacked up on a long, soft, slightly crusty loaf of white wheat bread that's uh, that's then pressed flat on a griddle and heated until the bread is toasty and the cheese is melty and everything is warmed up, just resulting in this absolute umami bomb. Um, uh, and and the, the bread is, um, it should be crunchy on the outside and soft on the inside. And the different pork products lend this depth of textures and flavors. You get this bright twang from the mustard and the pickles, a crunch from the pickles. Oh, it is such comfort food. Absolutely. Like every time I have one, I know I love them. And every time I have one, I'm like, this is even better than I remember. How is this possible? (laughs) It's so good. good. (laughs) (laughs) On a side of Maduros? Oh, my heck. Um, Okay, anyway. uh, (laughs) That's a a subject for another day. To the Mm -hmm. sandwich. Um, People get very particular about the exact ingredients. Very particular. Um, uh, The the ham should be a sweet and salty honeyed ham. The roast pork is marinated in a Cuban-style pork mojo, which which is a type of sauce made from fresh garlic paste, oregano, cumin, and salt and pepper, um, all bound together with olive oil and the juice of sour oranges. Um, Ideally, sour oranges. They're sometimes hard to find in the U.S., and so I've seen um, like a combination of orange juice and lime juice used, but sour orange is the best. Mm. Uh, it, it's really like bright and garlic spicy and herbal. Oh, so good. Um, some people uh, smoke the pork 
roast as well. Uh, the salami should be Genoa style, which is a type of um, salt-cured pork sausage seasoned with garlic and pepper and wine and um, allowed to dry and ferment until it firms up into like a mildly spicy product that's still tender with fat and has this really distinct tang from fermenting. Bacteria poop. Wow. Another surprise bacteria poop. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's it's everywhere. It's delicious. It mm-hmm. um, the, uh, the bread involved should be Cuban bread, um, which is a type of uh, wheat flour bread made in these long baguettes with, um, with some lard or shortening in the dough that makes it really flaky and tender. And the crust is so thin and crisp, like a, almost like a cracker. And um, depending on where it's made, it might be a flattish and kind of squared off at the ends or rounder with bulbed ends. Uh, different people disagree about some of the other details as well. Um, some say that sour dill pickles are the only way to go, only sliced long ways and sliced super thin. I have had it with other types of pickles, though. Oh. Yep. Uh, <laughs> well, blasphemous. I love the specificity. I, <laughs> You know, sliced long ways is important. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, I've had it with American cheese instead of Swiss. Oh. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Some folks don't include the salami, and that is, in fact, the way that I had it growing up in uh, Fort Lauderdale. I didn't know that that was a thing (laughs) (laughs) that people felt very strongly about. Now I really want to try one with salami. Ooh, um, oh. uh, the the way that you slice the roast pork can vary. Like you can do like thicker, chewy slices versus pulled chunks versus like paper thin, melty slices, which is my preference. Um, some people add a spread of mayo or a spread of butter. The way you stack the ingredients matters. I do not even want to talk about whether the mustard goes on both sides of the bread. <laughs> I don't have time today. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're going to have to share that with me later. Now I'm just going to be wondering, what does Lauren think about the mustard on the bread? Why should I be thinking about the mustard on the bread? Oh, no. Man. What if I embarrass myself in front of someone? (laughs) I don't want that. I don't think you want that for me. (laughs) There's there's opinions. Um, some Some people use a panini press with ridges. Some people don't press the sandwich at all. Uh, You can serve at room temperature, and you can serve it with lettuce and tomato. I am only reporting the facts. This. I like this. I like this, like, touch of horror and judgment that's happening. Uh, (laughs) Do you talk about serving a... Cubano room temperature with lettuce and tomato. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That's no longer a Cubano. That's a different sandwich. Leave my Cubano alone. (laughs) Get your lettuce away from me. (laughs) If you come near me with the panini press, I swear. (laughs) Okay. You know, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. I eat, eat food the way that you like to eat it. Yes. Cho- your choices are valid. Um, mm-hmm. it's, you look physically pained to say it, but I do believe <laughs> you believe it. Uh, <laughs> and I will say, like, in every article I read, people have strong opinions about food. You, I, We always encounter that when we research. But for this one, I feel like it was in every article I read. 
Yeah. Like, people came out strong with, don't you dare even talk to me. <laughs> if, it, if it's three more than three pickles, you're out of here. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's it's something I, and I found myself, it's so funny, because I, I, I didn't know that I had such strong opinions until I started mm. reading all of these things and, and, and seeing, and like reading all these different recipes and um, the photographs the people included with these recipes, like some of them, like I just look, I looked at the sandwich and it looked delicious, okay? But like, <laughs> I was like, that's not a Cuban. <laughs> <laughs> Something primordial within you arose. <laughs> yeah, my like lizard brain like reared up and was like, no. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I'll so, be wary with the Cubans in front of you, the Cuban sandwiches. Gosh. Uh, but uh, any anyway. Um. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. What about the nutrition? Um. Well, it depends on exactly how you make it, clearly. But you know, this this tends to be a pretty calorie dense food because of because of the fats that the ingredients contain. Um, it's usually pretty high in salt content, um, but also high in protein. Um, it will fill you up and it will keep you going. Um, as always, I recommend eating vegetables when you can. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't have too many numbers for you. We have two number related facts. <laughs> uh yeah there's there there is a Cuban sandwich food and art festival every year in Ybor City which is um near Tampa. It features international entries into their sandwich competition. The sandwich competition by the way is called the Smackdown. <laughs> and it includes categories for historic, non-traditional, traditional slash world's best, and there is a popular vote as well. Ooh, mm-hmm. oh, that sounds like a delicious competition. Right. But again, I bet it gets pretty intense in there. Oh, I'm sure. I'm I'm not like, positive that I would want to figure out which sandwiches go in the non-traditional and the traditional categories. Exactly, exactly. And then, I mean, as we're about to get into the historic section, it could be a little contentious <laughs> as well. <laughs> so, uh... Well, if anyone's ever been, let us know. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm I'm not they're they're not sure as of right now whether the festival is being held this year. It was supposed to go off in May, um, but uh right now it's rescheduled for November, I think November eighth. Uh but um but but we'll we'll see. We'll see how the world's doing. We'll see. Yeah. Um I will say uh there were this episode in a lot of ways reminded me of uh, the Muffaletta episode we did. Yeah, um, yeah. So there were numbers on like how many pieces of slices of bread in one city or one place makes for these. And it's a lot. Uh, well, in Miami and Tampa, it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but okay, uh, I learned that some subways in Miami have Cuban sandwiches and potbelly too, I think, which blew my mind. <laughs> Blew my mind. <laughs> this is like when I went to Australia the first time and there was avocado <laughs> Which, at, back then, you couldn't get that, at least to the subways oh, I would go to. Uh-huh, yeah. So, that, wow. Yeah, I had to fight to get my first, first Cuban sandwich. <laughs> subways? I can't speak for quality. I won't make a stand on that. Oh, I, I don't, I've, I've never had one of those um, from a subway. I can't, I can't tell you. I can't tell you what it's like. 
Mm-hmm. I have my thoughts, my suspicions. Yeah. But I, you know, I'm I'm open minded in many areas. <laughs> Not all, but many. <laughs> uh, but okay, we've been hinting at this this history Whew. behind the sandwich for a while. Yeah, um, and we will get into that as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsor. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. Roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, yes, this episode is A Tale of Two Cities, (laughs) Miami and Tampa, Mm -hmm. uh, who both fiercely, fiercely lay claim to the Cuban sandwich. However, the sandwich, or at least the precursor to it, is from Cuba. It's from Cuba. Yes. So, I'm just going to say it. Oh. Um, Oh. Okay. Yeah. Don't, Lauren, I hope this doesn't change your friendship. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm fine. I'm just trying to report the facts as an unbiased outsider. 
<laughs> no, no, it, it would make sense that the Cuban sandwich is somehow from Cuba. It, it does indeed. Uh, so the Cuban sandwich, or the beginnings of it, mm-hmm. probably dates back 500 years. Uh, historians think it was the invention of the Taino tribe on Cuba. Uh, before the arrival of Europeans, the Taino tribe was one of these three cultures that lived on Cuba. Tampa food chemist Jorge Astroquiza believes that the tribe used a cracker-like bread product made from yuca to sandwich either fish or some type of bird into this early Cuban sandwich. When the Spanish arrived on the island, they brought pigs with them. And not long after that, the indigenous people were introduced to things like ham and pork. And those meats found their way into the sandwich. And the bread was swapped out for something more doughy, more bready. The Cuban tobacco industry spread to Florida in the mid-19th century, uh, first arriving at Key West and then on up to Tampa. And Tampa was a growing port city with the right climate for tobacco and a fancy new railroad. So it's kind of ideal for this this whole jump for for the tobacco industry. Mm -hmm. And from 1880 to 1890, the population of Tampa went from about 700 to 5,000. Mm-hmm. Thousands of folks of Cuban, Italian, and Spanish descent settled in Ybor City, which, yes, is a neighborhood founded by Cuban cigar manufacturers. Yeah, these immigrants in Key West and then Tampa were the first major populations of Cubans in America, um, mostly working-class people fleeing the the struggle for independence in Cuba. Um, And Ybor City was named for the cigar factory owner, um, one Vincente Martinez Ybor, who who moved his operation to the Tampa area after a fire destroyed destroyed his original factory in Key West. And Ybor City was once known as the cigar capital of the world, uh, at its peak producing more than Havana. And most of the people that lived there worked in these factories and needed a lunch that was quick and convenient and inexpensive, like a sandwich, mayhaps? Mm, Mayhaps. Mayhaps. This is where it takes a turn. (laughs) This is our big (laughs) twist in the Cuban sandwich episode. Um, So the Cubans who immigrated to Florida brought their Cuban sandwich with them, where it was influenced by the Spanish and Italian cuisine in the area, which explains the salami, for instance. Uh, yeah, one of the original bakers of Cuban bread in Ybor was a Sicilian, um, when Francisco Ferlita, who opened this bakery there, called La Joven Francesca in um, 1896. The bakery would close in the 1970s, but it ran for that entire time and now houses the Ybor City Museum. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... At this time, to set the sandwich apart from the new Florida take on it, Cubans living in Florida started calling it the Cuban sandwich. Uh, you wouldn't need to call it that Cuba because it was just sandwich. Mm-hmm. Or, or by some accounts, English speakers started calling it the Cuban sandwich because they mostly saw Cubans eating it, while Spanish speakers called it mixto because of the assortment of meats on the sandwich, mixed meats. Mm-hmm. Speaking of... At the time, the sandwich probably came with ham, pork, turkey, Genoa salami, pickle slices, perhaps three, (laughs) which I love so much, Um, mustard, Swiss cheese, served on a long white bread loaf. According to the menu at Columbia Restaurant, a Ybor City institution, the sandwich, which they called, quote, a Tampa treasure, Hmm. began as a lunch for cigar workers in the 1890s. It's been on their menu since they opened in 1905. They come up, this restaurant comes up 
pretty much every article I read about yeah. the Cuban sandwich. Yeah. And the menu continues, quote, The sandwiches underwent changes as immigrants from different countries came to Ybor City. The Spanish brought the fine ham, the Sicilians, the Genoa salami, the Cubans, the mojo marinated roast pork, the Germans and Jews, the Swiss cheese, pickle and mustard. Which is the lovely story. However, <laughs> um, some food historians point out that this may be the stuff of sandwich legend rather than actual history. Um, there's not any real proof to anything they, they said. I mean, it makes sense in some ways, but there's nothing, like, mm-hmm. concrete yeah. to back it up. And, you know, certainly pickles were probably around. I know one of the food historians was like, you know, you can't really say. <laughs> <laughs> pickles were probably there. Um, and also, of note, Miami was still a pretty new city in 1905 when Columbia opened up. I'm not trying to stir up anything. I'm just... <laughs> uh, yeah, Miami was only incorporated in 1896, um, whereupon it only had like 300 residents. Um, and it would not have a large population of Cuban immigrants until the 1960s, um, when many were fleeing the, the revolution. So Right. So just, just saying that, just saying it right there. <laughs> yeah, we'll just leave that there. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a popular legend that says that the sandwich was actually the result of a contest. And I love how many episodes <laughs> we have where <laughs> contests are involved mm-hmm. uh. um, amongst Ebor City's cigar factory owners. They offered a reward to the chef that could come up with something that could fill their workers up and keep them going, as you say, Lauren, uh, and not make them sleepy. Hmm. Which, also fun, <laughs> also, no record of that either, so yeah. not sure. Yeah. Then, in 1915, a Spanish immigrant by the name of Juan More opened a bakery in Ibor called La Primera, and they specialized in Cuban-style baked goods, including Cuban bread. And they uh, they scored their bread, you know, like gave it the, the the cut along the top so that some steam can can escape during baking so that the bread will rise more evenly. They did that by placing this, uh, this thin, uh, sharp strip of palmetto leaf lengthwise along the loaf before baking. Um, and the offshoot, uh, La Segunda Bakery, still makes it to this day. Still owned by the same family. Oh. They're, they're one, of the, one of the Cuban bakeries that, like, certainly if you have had a Cuban sandwich in Tampa, possibly if you've had one anywhere, yeah. there's a decent chance that they baked that bread. Yeah, I think that was the place I was thinking of when I mentioned the, how I remind me of the mm-hmm. muffaletta and those stats of how much bread they sent out every mm-hmm. day. Yeah. yeah. It's wild. Yeah. That came up in the, there was a smackdown between two like NPR writers, <laughs> one from Tampa, one from Miami. Uh-huh. And one of them, the one from Tampa bought that up. It's like, probably in Miami you were having. <laughs> oh, burn. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love it. This bread. Yeah, it was so good. Um So, Ybor City took a hit during the Great Depression when cigarettes became a cheaper tobacco alternative. And then, during the 1950s, again, as more and more automobiles took the street, the streets in that neighborhood were largely too narrow for cars. Um, So, a lot of it, unfortunately, ended up getting destroyed. But in 1974, it was designated a national landmark. The first Miami-style Cuban sandwich might have been served that same year, 1974, at a restaurant called the uh, the Latin American Cafeteria in Miami. In 2012, Tampa <laughs> put forth an official resolution to name the sandwich the, quote, Historic Tampa Cuban Sandwich. Oh. Yeah. Bold move. Rolls right off the tongue. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> and it came with a very specific recipe for what it entails. Like, it's like 10 steps, uh, ingredients, methods. Uh-huh. I loved it. The order in which you stack everything, that, that mm-hmm. those three pickles. Yes. No yes. more, no less. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Emperor Pickletine. There's, I can come up with that later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, it's really fun. I love recipes that read like you're reading a, a science experiment or yeah. something. Like, I loved it. But anyway, Miami didn't. Uh, they were not having it. In response to the resolution, the mayor of that city, Tomas Regalado, said, the Cuban sandwich came in a raft from Cuba. And Astorquiza, which is the chef, the chef we mentioned earlier, when asked about this, he said, to call Miami the originator of the Cuban sandwich is the biggest lie ever. It has absolutely no roots. There were no Cubans in Miami at the time. It was all swampland. Wow. Yeah, the biggest lie ever. <laughs> all the time, ever, period. Yes. That's it. It might be one of the biggest sandwich lies ever. I'm not coming out. I'm not saying. I'm just saying if it were Ooh. true, uh, I'm going to get so much angry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Food historians say that due to the large Cuban population in Miami, uh, many of them arriving after the Cuban Revolution, like you said, uh, that that sandwich went mainstream because of that. So it might not have originated there, but Miami certainly propelled it to stardom. And there are a lot of sassy, angry, (laughs) outraged (laughs) news pieces um, that came out of both of these cities from all of this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it can it continues. Um, one of one of my favorite pieces that I read was uh, <laughs> uh, back in 2019, the New York Times crossword uh, Sunday crossword specifically had uh, had a clue that read a city famous for its Cuban sandwiches, and it was five letters long, and the answer was not Miami. Ooh, crossword trolling! <laughs> wow. <laughs> I can't imagine, like, I go, you know, I wake up in the morning, having my cup of coffee, trying to relax. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. And then getting trolled by the dang crossword. <laughs> by the New York Times crossword. Oh, oh. I'm sure they got a lot of anger. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, yeah, it, uh... I'd, I'd say that I'd say that right right around when um, when Tampa tried to pass that resolution, uh, it really started rising to stardom in in a lot of different ways. Uh, in 2014, the Cuban sandwich had a starring role in uh, John Favreau's film uh, Chef, um, mm-hmm. and uh, there's this really cute scene of John Leguizamo like like making the roast pork, like making the mojo and making the pork, and it's like it's like inappropriately sexy. I'm like John Leguizamo, get out of here. Stop it. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, and then in, uh, in 2018, a group of students from the University of Miami made a documentary about the sandwich called, uh, Mixto Cubano, the origin of the Cuban sandwich. Yeah. People are determined to lay claim to this sandwich mm-hmm. in a very specific way, and it just makes me laugh. because um, we can relate. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. And they're, you know, like, like the Sunday or, um, yeah. oh, what are some of the other ones? Yeah. Like just, hey, it's, it's cool. It's cool to be passionate about stuff. It's cool to have, you know, local pride. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Feel that Cuban sandwich in your heart. Yeah. Just. Oh, man. Oh, I definitely have a Cuban sandwich in my heart. Or at least my arteries. I don't know. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> I want one right now. <laughs> so much. Yes. Oh, so much. so much. Okay. That's fine, though. Um, Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I also... um. Uh, being from the from the east coast of Florida, South Florida, um, I didn't really get over to Tampa, Ebor area until I was in college. I went to University of Florida up in um, up in Gainesville, uh, and I had some friends from the Tampa St. Pete area. But um, so I've I've hung out in Ebor, um, but I've never had a Cuban sandwich there, which I'm now shocked about. I'm like because I'm like I'm pretty sure. I don't, I'm like, did I eat there or did we just go to clubs? I'm not positive. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Uh, Eternal question. Yeah. Yeah. But now I'm like, oh man, I need to go. I need to go and I need to have some of this Cuban sandwich that has salami on it. And and I will accept it however they make it. And I'm sure it will be delicious. Oh, I'm I'm sure about that. Would you say that, would you think like in Atlanta, which version would I be getting? The Miami style. So the Miami one is perhaps like more mainstream, like I think it's probably more ubiquitous, yeah. Okay. Well, then I'll have to seek it out as well. Do a taste test. Yeah. And if any listeners know the answer to these Cuban sandwich questions or have Cuban sandwich opinions or from these cities, oh, please. Yeah. Send them their way. Oh, my heck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or I don't know, like, if you also have, like, memories of Guavoin and, like, you know, if you are also a goth of a certain age um, and, uh, you know, hung out in Ybor, um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Right, right in. Let us, let us know how all that went. A goth of a certain age needs to be <laughs> a book or something. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, but, yes. <laughs> We always love hearing from you. Speaking of, we have some listener mail. We do, but first we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. Ride. 
roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Smackdown. Smackdown. Yeah. Sandwich City Smackdown. Uh, Chloe wrote, I recently listened to your episode on box bag wine and was surprised that Goon wasn't given an honorable <laughs> mention. Goon is the name effectively given to box cast wine in Australia with golden oaks, Fruity Lexia being a prominent brand. It even has a phrase that goes with it. Fruity Lexia makes you sexier. <laughs> Love it. Um, But on to the main point of this email. You briefly touched on games related to cast wine in your podcast. And Guna Fortune was missing. Yes, we know. Um, In Australia, this is a game commonly played at 18th birthdays and New Year's Eve parties. Partygoers will each bring a box of wine. We then remove the inner bags, known as goon sacks, from the boxes and pin them to the Hills Hoist clothing line. Players stand underneath the Hills Hoist, which is then spun around. When the Hills Hoist comes to a stop, each player that happens to be below, below a goon sack must drink a previously designated amount of goon from the sack that's landed above their head. I don't know many party games more quintessentially Aussie than Goon of Fortune. Okay. <laughs> I love this. I love it. And I wanted to read it because I know we've read several about it, uh-huh. but I feel like each one has slightly different rules. Uh-huh. Um, which I like the specific brand, and then this uh-huh. one was a designated amount, whereas others it was like not a designated amount. Yeah. Yeah. This is um, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I very much enjoyed reading about this. I'm still shocked we didn't because clearly it's a big clearly deal. Clearly it's a big thing. I think I think it was one of those uh, you know, search term issues because yeah. you know, not not knowing the term goon. Um, right. And generally searching box or bagged wine instead of cask wine. Right, sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, see, sometimes you make those Google mistakes. We all know about those Google mistakes. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Lauren made one this very episode when she looked up the Subway Cuban sandwich <laughs> in an ad break. I regretted it, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, um, yeah, it's, so that minor existential crisis aside, uh, all right, um, Amanda wrote, I usually don't have much to contribute when it comes to writing in, but after hearing your boxed wine episode and the throwaway snippet about alternative methods to opening wine, I knew my time had come. Back when going traveling and pre-gaming before parties were a thing, me and some friends were getting ready in our hotel rooms in Vegas. Uh, One of the girls was kind enough to bring a sickeningly sweet Moscato for the rest of us who preferred not to immediately jump into Jack Daniels and Coke. The only problem was it wasn't a screw top and none of us had a wine opener. Now, granted, we could have most likely gone down to the gift shop uh, and bought a wine opener in hindsight, maybe even asked the concierge, but I had seen all sorts of nifty ways to open a wine bottle without an opener. And what better scenario to test them out than right now? I tried the shoe trick, uh, banging away at walls and floors with the bottom of the bottle to no avail, but the chagrin of our neighbors. I tried wrapping it in a towel and also hammering it out. Uh, Surprised to no one, still no dice. Um, Gravity was not working for us, and we didn't have a screw to try that trick. But we're a bunch of ladies in Vegas, and I, being the mom friend, came prepared with tweezers. I plunged those poor tweezers straight into the cork and tried to wiggle it out, only to have another problem on my hands. The cork was falling to pieces everywhere. After several agonizing minutes of hacking away at this poor cork, completely ruining my tweezers, we got the bottle open, with a few cork pieces left floating in there and all over the bathroom floor. It might not have been the quickest or easiest wine cork hack, but it got the job done and gave us all a pretty hilarious story to look back on. (laughs) (laughs) I have been there. Uh, I have been Uh, there. uh Um, And it's funny, there are a few times I've ever felt, so I ended up using a brush, like the handle of a brush. Okay. And there are a few times I've ever felt more like a monkey (laughs) or some kind of creature trying uh, to get into yeah. something than that. Uh, but I, I mean, I feel Amanda, who also was, you're the, she was the listener that uh, recommended the Cuban sandwich, so thanks for that. Mm-hmm. I feel it was pretty ingenious. Tweezers. Tweezers, yeah. I don't know. Gosh. I don't know what I would have done. I would have called the concierge. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely have done that before. I also once was in Vegas and I had a corkscrew and it broke. And instead of calling the concierge, like all my friends were like, we can just go get a new one. We can call the concierge. But I was like, I'm going to fix this. And I spent like way too long trying to figure out. I did, but like by then everybody sort of moved on. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still there like, I'll get it. No, I can get it. It can still function. Yeah, I'm man the tool maker. I am clever. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, no, I see you. I see you. Yeah. No, but mm-hmm. but but huzzah. Good job. You got it. Hey, you got your wine. Yes. And I hope that sweet Moscato was as uh, worthy <laughs> of effort <laughs> as you put into it. Uh, yes. Uh, thanks to both of those listeners for writing to us. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way.
episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.